Hey, hey. Welcome to Not So Molly Mormon podcast. I'm Katie. I'm your host. Thanks for being here. Today, I have an email from Kelly. I've been very excited to share this email with you. So everyone, settle in, get comfortable. Here we go. Hi ladies, I just want to say how much I appreciate you both so much. I stumbled across your Instagram page after seeing the Abducted in Plain Sight documentary on Netflix, was drunk, and going down the rabbit hole that is social media. It was exactly what I needed, exactly when I needed it. I had just lost my father, who was a devout Mormon, and was really struggling. I dropped you a quick DM and your response was a balm to my soul. I started listening to your podcast and I can't remember the last time I laughed so hard. I related to everything. (laughs) Yay, that's what we like to hear. (laughs) A little background on me. I'm the youngest of five and was raised in the church. My parents converted when my oldest three siblings were young and right after my mom had a stillborn baby. The idea of eternal families brought a lot of comfort to my parents, and let's face it, they were super vulnerable. Anyway, my family was very active. I was baptized when I was eight, and I remember during my bishop's interview, I had no idea who the fuck Joseph Smith was or anything, but was still deemed ready for dunking and was baptized and confirmed a member of the church. This is so disturbing that I had literally zero idea what I was getting into, what eight-year-old does. My oldest brother left to serve a mission, and while he was in the MTC, he learned that Mormons believed Christ visited the Americas. This just kind of shows that while my family was super active, we didn't do all the things Mormon families normally do, like family home evening or scripture study. Thank God. (laughs) When I was 11, my family moved to rural northeast Texas, where I stayed until I went to BYU. I was the only Mormon in my school, so I never dated a member until BYU. The BYU culture completely fucked me up. My roommate was literally a beauty queen, perfect Mormon girl from Utah who could sing, dance, scrapbook, quote scriptures, and I was this awkward country girl from the sticks who felt like a complete outsider. At BYU, the freshmen are put into Y groups, which is a group of about 10 to 15 kids that go through orientation and learn about the campus life together. You have a couple of upperclassmen called your Y group leaders that guide you along the way. Our male Y group leader was this guy that was about 28 years old, a late bloomer in the Mormon world. He didn't go on his mission until he was 25 and seemed ancient in my 17-year-old mind. He asked me on a date, and I was so stoked because this was my very first date with a Mormon boy and a returned missionary nonetheless. We went on this group date up in the canyon, and it was super awkward. We roasted marshmallows and sang primary songs around the fire. (laughs) I was pretty turned off and was not even remotely attracted to this dude. When he dropped me off at my dorm, he begged me to kiss him goodnight. I flat out refused, and he asked me, with his finger going toward my mouth, if he could touch my lips. Oh my god. This totally skeezed me out, and I smacked his hand away and went into my dorm, thankful he couldn't follow me in since it was past curfew. So freaking weird. 
Anyway, that was my first experience with a Mormon boy, and it wasn't awesome. I dated some and then got my very first real Mormon boyfriend during the winter-spring semester. He was from a super strong Mormon family and was pre-mish since he was only 17. He was super attractive, and I felt so incredibly lucky to have him. He had a model girlfriend back home, and I was just blown away that he chose me. Well, he also agreed that I should feel lucky to have him and encouraged me to start taking aerobics classes and gave me diet ideas so I could drop my freshman 20. When summer rolled around, I was feeling incredibly anxious because he was going home to where his super hot ex-girlfriend lived and I wasn't going to see him at all during the break. Not only that, but according to this dude, his parents were super old-fashioned and didn't approve of a girl calling the house, and he would have to call me. This blew my mind and caused me so much anxiety. Knowing I had zero control in the relationship and he was going to be around his ex, I threw myself into working out and dieting in order to make myself perfect for him. That summer, I lived off of lean cuisines and Diet Coke and dropped 45 pounds. Since I couldn't control my relationship, I controlled food and spiraled into anorexia. When I got back to school that fall, no one recognized me. My boyfriend dumped me because I wasn't fun to be around anymore, even though I, quote, looked better than ever. This just caused me to go deeper into anorexia. I lived for fast Sundays when I could skip eating for 24 hours and no one would look at me funny. I was 5'7", weighed 110 pounds with 11% body fat, and was asked out on more dates than ever before since I quote-unquote looked perfect. Anorexia then led to bulimia, and I found myself in the hospital and ended up having to take a semester off of school to recover. While in recovery, I met a man through my roommate's boyfriend who ended up becoming my husband. I started dating him and convinced myself that he was the one, even though I wasn't remotely attracted to him. I thought he was a nice guy, could take care of me, and would make a great dad. And he had prayed and received personal revelation that I was to be his wife. I was all of 19 years old and in an emotionally fragile state and thought, well, no one else will want me. So I said yes. Immediately, I felt panicked. In May, I went home to Texas to work until our wedding at the end of June, and he moved to Atlanta to get a job so we could start our lives together. The whole summer leading up to my wedding was so surreal. I felt a lot of unease leading up to the big day and even told my parents that I was going to back out, that I couldn't do it and I didn't think he was right for me. My dad called our home teacher over to give me a blessing and was I was told in my blessing that I wasn't to question or have doubts, but to go and get married. I told my mom I still didn't feel good about it, and she said, well, you can always get a divorce. Thanks, mom. So the day comes that I go through the temple, and in the middle of the ceremony where the speaker says something about not making the covenants if you aren't fully committed because God will not be mocked, I absolutely freaked out. My heart was racing. My mind was going in circles. Every cell in my body was telling me to get the fuck out of there. But I didn't want to disappoint my parents or my fiance, so I went forward with all the crazy stuff. 
Like Sarah, I never felt good about going to the temple. Every single time I would go, I would feel such anxiety and be in a horrible mood. Afterward, I wouldn't feel uplifted, but would feel completely drained. Anyway, on my wedding day, I knew I was doing the wrong thing, but everyone was there. I had my dress. People had come from all over, and I didn't want to be a disappointment, so I gird up my loins and went ahead with it. On the way to the ceiling room, my fiancé stepped on the train of my dress, and it ripped. That was such a perfect representation of what our marriage was. It was held together by a thread. Our wedding night was absolutely horrible. Neither of us had had sex before and had no experience whatsoever. It was awkward, uncomfortable, and incredibly painful. As I lay there next to him afterward, I felt dead inside. I didn't even know this man that I had committed to spending eternity with, and I wasn't even attracted to him. After 10 years and two kids, I started having major doubts about the Mormon church and my marriage. I decided I was going to let loose and started going out with friends, drinking at clubs, and stopped wearing my garments. My husband didn't know what to do and just sat back and let me go wild. I treated him like shit because I was miserable, and on our 10-year anniversary, I looked at him over dinner and said, we aren't going to make it to 11. He just kind of laughed, and I said, I'm serious. We didn't. Six months later, I left him and asked for a divorce. I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't be married to someone that I didn't love, to someone I didn't respect, to someone I wasn't attracted to. It was very, very ugly. He tried to manipulate me with using my patriarchal blessing to prove we were supposed to be together. He had me stalked. He tried turning my six and three-year-old boys against me. He told everyone in the ward and my parents that I was an alcoholic and cheating on him. He turned so many people against me and made my life miserable. That was when I started having major doubts about the church. Everyone turned their backs on me when I needed support the most. After our divorce was finalized, he remarried within two months, and his wife had a baby six months later. A six-pound, ten-ounce, quote-unquote, premature baby. Um... I can do math, thank you very much. And yet I was shamed because I was the woman and I'm not allowed to leave my righteous priestess, priesthood holding husband. I became a better mother after the, the divorce and truly feel like I have created a much healthier environment for my boys. I have dealt with guilt for putting them through that at such a young age. Divorce is never ideal. I tried going to church a few years later after the missionaries tracked me out. I became active and was asked to teach Relief Society once a month. That was when I started really looking into the doubts I had about the church. I reached out to a friend from BYU that had publicly cut ties with the LDS church and asked her what her story was. When she told me about the multiple versions of the f first vision and that Joseph Smith put his fucking head in a hat to translate the plates, I was blown away. I had no idea. She then told me to look up the CES letter and I just couldn't do it. I struggled so, so much with the idea that the church might be total bullshit. I resigned from my calling and the Relief Society president begged me to stay since I was such a great teacher and I told her I couldn't do it because I didn't believe in Joseph Smith and I didn't have a testimony. She literally said, that's okay. If you teach, you'll gain a testimony. I was baffled. 
How could they want someone who did not believe in the church teach the women of the ward? I respectfully declined. Because my family and my boys are still active in the church, it took me three years to read the CES letter. I had so much anger, depression, anxiety, hopelessness, fear, all the emotions. I had been lied to for 38 years of my life. Finally, after listening to your podcast and getting visited by the missionaries again, I had my name removed from the records of the church. It wasn't an easy decision, and to be honest, I still freak out about it and have nightmares, but I just can't be associated with this enterprise. And here I find myself having verbal diarrhea, telling you about my sordid history with the Mormon church. Sadly, my story is not unique in any way. The mental illness, the miserable marriage, the doubts, the fear, it's all so normal. I would be happy to come on your podcast and help spread the gospel of truth, that the Mormon church is a scam, that there is zero truth, and that people can find the truth for themselves and be free. I love this community and I'm so thankful to have found a safe place. It has saved my life. I love you both so much, Kelly. And you can totes use my name because fuck you, (laughs) J-Dog. Oh my god, I had to pause it. I had... (laughs) had a couple of tears. I just, I feel so touched by these letters you guys send in. I don't think, maybe you guys don't realize it, but Sarah and I, we just feel so, so incredibly touched when people write to us. And this letter got me like everything from the eating disorders and feeling worthless and a horrible marriage, but you know what? I'm so, so happy that you're out. Everything you said was so wonderful, so raw and honest. And I love, I love, love, love that about our community, that we can share these stories without fear of judgment, but rather it helps us feel like we're not alone. Like we didn't feel all these things just by ourselves. You know, we're not crazy. Lots of people have gone through this. I mean, the intense pain of um, dealing with leaving this, being in this religion in the first place and then leaving it and how incredibly hard it is and how harmful it can be. But, uh, Kelly, thank you. And yes, fuck you, J-Dog, right? (laughs) I just wish he never would have started this damn cult in the first place because it really does cause, in my opinion, way more harm than good. I hope you guys enjoyed Kelly's story as much as I did. Um, (laughs) It was just so great, so wonderful. Thank you again. Um, As I say every single time, if you would like to share your story, we're all ears. Email us, notsomollymormonpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on social media. And in the meantime, go enjoy life. Have a coffee, have a beer, and party it up. Love you all. Have a good week.